Welcome to another edition of the Tom Green Podcast. Great week last week for my Michigan boys and my Lions. Beating State is always fun. Beating the Dolphins is always fun. With that being said, I have a, a guest from that wanted to record with us on a different sense, but because I had gotten with another guest before he got with us, I decided to have him move to this podcast, and he is not average, I think. He's, be- he's better than average, perhaps. His name is Rob Smith. Welcome to the show, Rob. Hey, Tom. I'm happy to be here. Hey, it's me, Rob, on Twitter, if you want to follow me there. Uh, super excited to be on the show, finally talking sports. Um, I also have my own podcast. You can okay. catch it on iTunes and Spotify. It's called Rob Takes On. Uh, mostly kind of focuses on the things that I'm taking on, a lot of uh, real-life adult, now that I'm graduated stuff, um, but I'm always looking to talk sports, so I'm excited to be here. Of course. If ever Rob takes on Detroit, he should hit hit Tom TV 23 up, and perhaps I could be on the Rob Takes On show in that also I could also have you phone in one of these days, too. It seems to be something that works. Sure, absolutely. So, uh, with that being said... He says he's average, but I think he's better than average because he's on the show. <laughs> Exceptionally average, I'd like to say. Incredibly adequate at most. <laughs> of course. So, uh, my Michigan boys got it done against State. I'm, I'm pretty sure you saw that I was at the game last week. It looked like a fun time, to be honest. It, it looked like a thrilling game. A big win for Michigan, obviously. Um... But it's one of those games that Michigan State is a good team. It's a rivalry game, so it's a big win for Harbaugh. But um, you may not like this, but I'm still not necessarily buying in on the Michigan bandwagon just yet. Okay. Go ahead. Explain yourself. So, starting with the whole, uh, I mean, just let's start with this game specifically. I mean, Michigan State is an okay team. Um, Nothing to write home about just yet. And. Um, but with that in mind, you know, nothing, nothing to sleep on. A bit, not necessarily a powerhouse, though, in the Big Ten. Uh, Michigan still has the brunt of their schedule. Yeah, they've had some tough games. You know, Notre Dame was a big one. Um, but they still have Penn State. They still have Ohio State. And if they can get into the playoff, which you're going to have to win both of those games and maybe even a Big Ten championship game, you still have a couple of more, you know, top four teams in the nation to play. Now, they have to get there. I think they'll beat Penn State when they play them. I think where they ultimately will fall is against Ohio State if we're being if we're going to look far down far down the line. Sure, and um, the you're right as to say they have to get there first. Penn State is Penn State is like a step or two down from where they were in the Rose Bowl season and even last year, but still I agree. they have to get they have to beat Penn State. They have to beat Ohio State yet. This was Michigan's first road win against the top 25 team since 2006. And that's, that's a big deal for Harbaugh to just get over that hump because, I mean, he's had plenty of opportunities to win those big games and just hasn't been able uh, to do it. Now, um, with that Monday, you know, they have the bye week. They have an extra week to prepare for Trace McSorley and Coach Franklin's offenses, that Penn State offense is wicked. Um, but I also am a little bit impartial to that Penn State team because I grew up 
uh, in the same area and went to high school near uh, where Trace McSorley went to high school. So that's a, that's a shameless little plug there. That's <laughs> of the reason course. I, I root there for the, the Nittany Lions sometimes. But uh, I agree. I think they're having an off year. But I still think if Michigan's not careful – Penn State could absolutely come in there and, you know, take care of business if they had to in Happy Valley. Yeah, thank God this game is in Happy Valley because we saw what happened last year with the whiteout at um, in, in State in Happy Valley, and Saquon Barkley ran all over them. Yeah, and the, the thing about this year is, you know, they, they have a, a decent running core, but they can definitely feel – that hole in their backfield without Saquon back there. And plus, McSorley can run the ball himself if he needs to. Yeah, he absolutely can. And the the thing that helps him the most with that is having a solid offensive line. Now, what I think is incredibly important for Penn State, and we'll get back to Michigan, I promise. Sure. Uh, but the thing I think is important for Penn State is that they've got these games and they've got to, they've got to at least continue to try because after that loss, that they suffered earlier in the year to Ohio State, they kind of, you know, fell off and they realized, like, this isn't our year. We're not going to win it, but we still have to, you know, you still have to care. You look at Auburn and the SEC, it doesn't seem like they care anymore, and that's going to impact recruiting, which impacts your future. As for Michigan, if they're not careful, because, you know, they're looking at Ohio State at the end of the year. Absolutely. They're they're looking at, at a very big game at the end of the year with Ohio State, and Ohio State is also looking at that game knowing... That game on November 24th very well could be the difference between getting in the playoff or not if you're Michigan. I, I absolutely agree. With with suffering that loss early to Notre Dame, there's nowhere else you can suffer a blemish and have the playoff committee look at you and say, hey, we deserve the playoffs. Now, I do think that if Auburn last year would have won the SEC, I think they would have gotten in with two losses because their two losses were to Clemson and LSU. I mean, two highly, highly ranked teams. Absolutely. But, but if Michigan suffers a loss to Ohio State, that will be, one, too late in the season to suffer a loss like that. Two, knock them out of the Big Ten Championship unless Ohio State loses again, which I sure hope they lose to Michigan State. But let's be real, that's probably that probably won't happen. But saying that so... Um, Michigan with two losses, even with a Big Ten championship, would suffer. I think the same, the same result that Ohio State did, losing two games but winning the Big Ten title. No, no playoff for them. I think the Big Ten is another conference too that, like, you, one you have to win your you have to win your conference championship if you're in the Big Ten. Yes, I think the only conference that that is not the case has got to be the SEC. But with that in mind. I think even this year, you're only going to see one team per conference. You're not going to see that two-team deal. I think there are too many good teams out there to be able to put two teams from one conference. So if Michigan wants in, they have to they have to clean sweep the rest of the way. Um, but the other thing on their schedule moving forward, I mean, with this bye week, there's nothing this week, so you can kind of speculate a little bit. I think they would be remiss to not – look past Indiana, too. Indiana's just an average team. I mean, the game against Rutgers, you look at that and you say, yeah. okay, a virtual bye week, if you want to say that, but that game against Indiana is definitely a game, not to say that they will lose, but if they're not careful and they say, all right, we got Michigan, we got Michigan-Ohio State next week, and you look past Indiana, I mean, Ohio State did the same thing with Purdue. 
And a good tidbit about Purdue is that in their three losses, they lost by a total of three possessions. Sounds their, like the Cleveland Browns. Right. In their four now four victories, they have won by at least two possessions. So I, those, it's those teams that you sleep on, and and a team like Indiana is going to bring their best against Michigan, yes. right? I mean, they're going to play up to the competition as best they can. And when you are Michigan, when you are, you know, fifth in the nation, everyone wants to take you down, including right. the teams that have nothing else to play for. That is their championship game. So exactly. I think Michigan would be remiss not to at least walk into that game and say, Indiana this week, Indiana next week, Indiana this week, until it's time to really focus on Ohio State. Exactly. And in the season preview I did with um, actually Bridgeport High School here in Michigan, their coach Kevin Marshall is a big Michigan fan. I brought him on the show. We did a Michigan preview, and I had said there that Indiana was the one was the one game that Michigan will probably lose that they should win. Because each team you have a game that you that you win you're not supposed to a game you lose you're not supposed to. I felt that game was going to be Indiana on our part. Yeah, I, I as a Washington Redskins fan getting in the NFL for a second. Sure, I know that all too well. Watching a team beat teams they have no business beating, and then lose games that they should have won by a long shot. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mr. S- uh, a reprise of the 1930s book, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, having Alex Smith in your your quarterback core. Yeah, no, definitely happy to have Alex Smith in uh, in DC, and uh, I actually have a couple more thoughts on that when we get to rapid fire a little bit later. Sure. Yeah, as, as, your, as your team is in the rapid-fire games this week, which if I bring a guest on that has really no affiliation to either preview, which in, is your case, I usually have your game on as rapid-fire. In this, in this case, it actually fit the rules, uh, two and a half or, or better in uh, NFL and then ranked versus ranked in college. As you can see, I have a good slate for us. Yeah, it is a, it is a good, good slate. I think it should be, a, uh, should be interesting. When we get there. Especially. So, with that being said, um, your and tell us about your college team a little bit. So, um, because I went to a Division three school down in Newport News, I, uh, you know, obviously I cheer for my, my captain, so Christopher Newport. Uh, those guys have suffered two uh, conference losses in overtime. They're 4-2 and two at this point in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but both of their losses are tough losses in overtime. Uh, but the way Division Three works, it's a little bit, a little bit weird. You have to win your conference at the very least to get into. Um, it's kind of like a, it's a tournament of, of sorts. I think it's sixteen teams across the nation. Okay. Uh, but the uh, BCS team I cheer for um, is Texas A and M Gigam Aggies. Uh, my younger brother is a product of Texas A and M, as is my roommate. Um, both of them are big Aggies fans, and so that makes me a part of the Aggie family. Uh, they have had quite a tough year this year. Um, Jimbo Fisher's first down there in College Station. Uh, but they've been impressive. A tough loss to Clemson. They, uh, their game against Alabama, believe it or not, I think it was 20-something points. It was the closest Alabama's played all year. Um, but definitely things are on the up and up down there in College Station. Yeah, Jimbo, I felt Jimbo just ran into a tough schedule and a tough year. They're doing the right things there in, in 
uh, College Station. But unfortunately, this has just been a bad schedule for for Fisher for his first year. <laughs> to be fair, being in the SEC West, every year is going to be a tough year. But I think right. um, they have definitely definitely proven that Jimbo's the right guy and the way they've played a lot of these games close and a lot of these games tough is going to be good for them uh, recruiting wise and I think they're definitely they have a bright bright future ahead of them down there in the next coming years I definitely agree so with that being said let's move to our Lions Seahawks preview so first of all uh, Detroit's got some snacks now don't they yeah um Snack Harrison, you know, getting the trade, I think that's a big deal for Detroit. Um, he's an okay player. I mean, I think he's going he's gonna to have some big things to contribute there in Detroit, giving them the help that they need defensively. Uh, but what I think it says a little bit more about is the Giants. After trading uh, Harrison and trading Apple this week, I think the Giants are in full-blown tank mode. Um, and the Lions this week just happen to be the beneficiary of that. Yeah, as the Giants, well, what confused me was that two point con- the, the uh, two point conversion when you're down eight to Atlanta there on Monday Night Football. It's like you're going for two. Why don't you just get the extra point, seven point game? <laughs> At, again, that's it's, it's a sign of full tank. Um, I don't know. I don't know if the Giants want to win another game. I think that is terrible for the market of New York. Their fans are going to explode on them, but they're just they're going to dump all of their assets with the exception of, you know, OBJ and they're going to restart, which I thought that's what they were doing with with Saquon Barkley, but they've got a lot of work to do. And also the Raiders too as uh, Mari Cooper being traded to the Cowboys for another first round pick. You see probably saw the meme. It's all fun and games until First round, all 32 picks, Oakland. Yeah, I, I, I honestly thought the Raiders were going to be better. And I, I don't, I can't, I can't explain why they're not. I'm just, I'm honestly, I'm surprised. As am I, but my, now my thought is they're probably going to go into tank mode and just rebuild. John Gruden just want. I guess, just wants his own, I guess John Gruden just wants his own team, man. I don't, yeah, I don't think he liked what he got, and I don't think I can make sense of that because I thought they had a pretty good squad, but I guess in the in the old eyes of Gruden, that's not the case. I guess the spider two eye banana just isn't working on these on these yeah. guys, man. Yeah, <laughs> that is a fact, big fact. <laughs> so back to Lions Seahawks. Um, we know that the Seahawks' defense has has regressed since these days. Let's send it out of the field. And Aaron Evans. Joe, thank you so much. Richard, let me ask you the final play. Take me through it. Well, I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Don't you ever talk about me. Who was talking about you? Crabtree, don't you open your mouth about the best. Are you on the center for you, real? We know the Seahawks' defense has regressed since then, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, the, the Legion of Boom was all you heard about for years. But, they, I mean, they had 
just really good seasons, 2013, 14, 15, and they've just slowly but surely just deteriorated. And good teams do that. I mean, that happens, but you're really seeing it all happen at once with this just deterioration of defense. And the same thing with the offensive line, too. Once they got Jimmy Graham, the the Seahawks management said, offensive line? Never heard of her. What's what's the need for an offensive line? Yeah, it's the the offensive line is the most undervalued, I think, by at least by fans especially, and by a lot of us who talk sports twenty five eight. It is the most <laughs> undervalued spot on the field. Yeah, when you have an off when you don't have an offensive line, your quarterback knows about it. But when you have an offensive line, it, it, a lot of fans, like you'd said, Rob, in, in a way, take it for granted. Well, I, you'll look at the Cowboys from a couple years ago. I, in Dak Prescott's first year, why was Dak Prescott as good as he was? Because he had an exceptional line. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, and you look at it this year, and I don't think the, the Dallas Cowboys have a line as good. You look at the Seahawks, same deal. I, Russell Wilson, he's a great quarterback, don't get me wrong, but... Great quarterbacks become, like, incredibly memorable Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks when they have a offensive line, an offensive line in front of them that is going to help them do their job more efficiently. Yeah, and this year, um, through six games, last year Matthew Stafford was sacked 26 times. Through six games this year, Matthew Stafford has only been sacked 10 Tells you the offensive line is doing its job. Which is a good thing. And the Lions, I mean, the Lions are in a tough spot with the division they're in. But you you got Aaron Rodgers. Trubisky is playing really well this year. And then you got my boy Kirk Cousins up there in Minnesota. So I think the Lions are holding their own. But I think it's a tall order to get by that division. Yeah, right now the (laughs) NFC North is up for grabs, but... And I can't stand the man, but you know Aaron Rodgers is going to want to take it in his hands at any point. And he has that ability. I mean, he is um, definitely in the conversation for the best quarterback in the game right now. And you've got an incredibly high-powered offense in Minnesota with Kirk Cousins finally getting, mm-hmm. getting one paid, two, getting a team that wants him, and three, an offense that is set for him. Um, Matthew Stafford obviously has a couple of weapons. He's got some things to work with, but at the end of the day, it's it's. I think it's going to be a Vikings Packers NFC North, which I know is not what you want to hear. Right. Uh, <laughs> but I think I think the Lions are are a good team. I think they're they're getting there, but I think they're just a piece or two behind those two teams ahead of them. Yeah, and even Adam Schefter had said Detroit rebuilding but getting there is what is what you're seemingly saying as well. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. So with that being said, Sunday afternoon in Detroit, Seattle having to go to the east to the Eastern Time Zone, play a ten o'clock game their time. How will this go? You know, I think that. Two teams coming into the game, three and three records. The Lions certainly have a lot more to play for right now than the Seahawks do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
On top of that, it's a home game. Also helps, especially when you um, when you're playing in you know Detroit with the dome and you got all that going for you as right. well. Overall, though, I think I think the Seahawks will keep it close, but I think come the fourth quarter, Matthew Stafford's going to kind of take it to his own hands. He's going to say, "All right, I I need we need to win this game, and I'm going to be the one to do it." And I think they end up pulling this one out by at least ten. So your final score is final score: Lions twenty-eight, Seahawks seventeen. Okay. How I think this will go. Uh... Russell Wilson is going to have a hell of a time with the Detroit defensive line, even without Ziggy Anza. With the Seahawks offensive line as it is, who knows what will happen. But I think you will see Russell Wilson run for a touchdown. You will see Doug Baldwin catch a touchdown. You will see Carrion Johnson rush for a touchdown. You will see Michael Roberts catch another touchdown. And and you will also see uh, Golden Tate Actually, no, Kenny, excuse me, Kenny Galladay catch a touchdown. You'll see Golden Tate take it from 20 to 20 with his yaks, yards after contact, that being. I think this will be a 21-14 final. Detroit on top. Okay. I, I, I just think overall, I, I think that Seattle knows they have, to, they have to figure it out, and they have to figure it out soon. Uh, it may not have to be this year. This may be an average year, but anything below average is dangerous in Seattle because Seattle already has a questionable sports atmosphere. It's not necessarily a sports town, if you will, unless the teams are doing remarkably. So if Seattle decides this isn't it, then that city's going to have to wait until the Mariners and the Sounders come back in the spring. Yeah, because there's no NBA or NHL team in Seattle. For now. Right, for now. Hashtag bring back the Sonics. Honestly, I, I'm a big I, a believer that the Supersonics were a staple in Seattle and they need to go back. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant Kevin Durant's Seattle Supersonics jerseys are like two hundred bucks on eBay. As they should be. It's a it's a classic. It's like when the Montreal Expos came to DC and they became the Nationals. Everyone wanted a Vlad Guerrero Expos jersey or a Andre Carter Expos jersey because it's like they're they're not they don't exist. Right. <clears throat> One of the most interesting random jerseys I've ever seen is a Joe Sackick Quebec Nordiques jersey. That is random. <laughs> Sorry. That is incredibly random. Especially around where I'm at, Bay City, Michigan. Who wears a Joe Sackick Nordiques jersey? In Joe Sackick was Michigan. one of my favorite players growing up. I he was one of the reasons, like when I was a kid, you know, playing NHL, whatever it was, on mm-hmm. PlayStation or Xbox, always wanted to be the Avalanche because Joe Sackett. Mm-hmm. So a little random Jersey talk mixed in with our preview. So with that being said, we'll hit the most heralded preview or the most heralded segment on the show, and that is the rapid fire games. Now, we originally had eight this week, but I added in a ninth. And it's tied into when I asked you about what college team you liked. You'll see where I'm going. (laughs) So we'll actually start with that one. Texas A&M and Mississippi State. You know, my heart is going to tell you that the Aggies have it together. Uh, I don't see 
anybody beaten the Aggies the rest of the way with the exception of, uh, let me like make sure I'm not missing anything here. Yeah, with the exception of LSU at the end of the season, I think that Texas A&M shouldn't have any problem this weekend with Mississippi State. Giga Maggies. And uh, final score? Uh, I think they're going to run away with it. I think it'll be uh, mm, 35, maybe 14 at the most. Okay. Uh, Mississippi State's in trouble because, well, First year head coach Joe Moorhead. It's it seemed like they knew what they were they knew what they were up to against Kentucky, but of course Kentucky beats them. Um, give me the Aggies in this one as well. 30-38-20. I think Mississippi State will score a little bit more than fourteen, but yeah, Giga Aggies. The Aggies have got that one. <laughs> SEC Nation is going to be at this game in Jacksonville. Florida, Georgia. Mm. My gut is going to tell me Georgia. Um, okay. But going through the whys and the whats and analyzing everything, uh, and that, is a, that is a tough ask. It's almost a coin flip. Um, Jake Fromm, big-time quarterback. Uh, I think that if you look at both of these teams, they're very similar. Um, both teams, at least their record-wise, very similar as well. Their only losses are against teams who ultimately turned out to be a lot better than we thought they would be, right? So, Kentucky. Um, I think that this game plays, I mean, well, I don't think, I know that this game plays huge implications in the SEC. Um, but all that to say, I, I'm picking Georgia. I wouldn't be surprised if Florida pulled it out uh, as they're, you know, the home team. They get that, that home field advantage, but it'll be a one-possession game. Uh, I've got Georgia 24-21. George, well, both game, both teams absolutely need this game for the college football playoff, but Georgia needs it more because Georgia was, and I had said on an earlier podcast, Georgia was a, a perfect pass away from winning the national title as Tua made that perfect pass right in <laughs> overtime that pretty much broke everybody's hearts outside of the state of Alabama. <laughs> well, that being said, I should tell you, and you may know, I actually have met the host of SEC Nation, Laura Rutledge. She's a Florida grad. <clears throat> With that being said, um, Georgia needs us more. Who is this? Jake from State From. Wait, 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 one second. It's Jake from State From. What are you wearing? Jake. Oh, khakis. There it is. <laughs> khakis. But it's three in the morning. It's Jake from State Farm. <laughs> See, the thing with Georgia in this, so like Florida wins, then instantly they flip around and Florida becomes Georgia fans next week as they play Kentucky. But if Georgia wins, then they've got all the all the chips. They've, all they have to do is beat Kentucky and they'll be back in the SEC championship. But mm-hmm. if Florida wins, then Kentucky wins next week, then then the, the SEC championship is going to be between LSU and Alabama, who ultimately play in two weeks. And I think right. the winner of that game will take care of business in at the end of the at the end of the season. Yeah, it seems like the winner of the SEC. Well, except for last year, of course, because Georgia beat L- or Georgia beat Auburn, not LSU. Although I wish Coach O were in there. Um, 
Yeah, it hit you with a Coach O impersonation there, too. Uh, <laughs> Edward Ferrand, man. He is something else. He's a Cajun, man. You can't understand half of what the hell he's saying, but you love him. Yeah, you got it. You got it. <laughs> so, uh, Georgia 27-4-24. I'll say okay. that. Um, but, yeah, the, the winner of the SEC West has pretty much crushed the SEC championship game with the exception of Georgia over Auburn. Uh, going to the Big Ten, Iowa, Penn State. Uh I think Penn State's a better football team. Uh, I know that their rankings would indicate they're similar. However, just based on, I like to base things off of who you lost to. If you've got, it's got the same number of wins. Who's your loss against? Iowa. It's not as impressive to me as their one loss is against the only team they really played in Wisconsin, and they lost that game by eleven. Penn State's loss. I mean, they've lost what two now? I believe. Yeah. Um, they lost to Ohio State, which was a good game, but I think their their loss after that against Michigan State was a hangover. I think they were so upset about the fact that they lost to Ohio State, ultimately ending their championship run, as it were, and they weren't able to recover fast enough before they took on Michigan State, and Michigan State had a field day taking care of business there because... Penn State was still trying to figure out why, uh, like, what was me, the like the sadness situation right. up in Happy Valley. Like, how do we get over not playing for a championship anymore? So you like Penn State in this game? Yeah, while the McSorley-Barkley era is over and, you know, James Franklin's working on rebuilding, or at least he's got to, um, starting next season, I think that Penn State will win. They know they need to win this game, um, but it'll be Penn State close. Um, I would say a higher scoring game. Okay. Uh, give it 31-28, Nittany Lions. Because this is in Happy Valley, I like Penn State. If it were at Kinnick Stadium in Iowa, especially at night, I'd, I'd take Iowa by 50. But since it's in Happy Valley, I got to go Penn State 34-20. I think Iowa's a very vulnerable team outside of Kinnick Stadium, and as you had said, not quite the good team that people think they are. Yeah, I think their their ranking is a little bit inflated, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. So moving to the Pac-12, uh, Washington, Stanford. Stanford kind of let me down this year, if we're being honest. Now. They have been hot. You know, they've won four in a row. Uh, and I do also think they're going to win this game. I think home field advantage is a huge deal in college football. I think they'll win this game while they are an underdog. Um, but at the same time, I'm an old man who goes to sleep before these games typically start. Uh, yeah, when that 12 after dark is not for me either. Yeah. Especially so, since we're in the Eastern, ti- Eastern time zone. I don't have the... Uh, I wouldn't say the luxury. I have the luxury as an adult, but I don't have the uh, uh, capacity to stay up. Pac-12 after dark isn't my game. So I haven't had the opportunity to really watch both of these teams played. Um, but I know that Stanford is poised for a run to the top of the Pac-12 North, and they know that it's now or never. And I think that desperation will lead them to victory this weekend at home. Uh, it'll it'll be a, an incredibly close game. But I also think, I don't know why, but I think it'll be a, a lower scoring game I think that uh, Stanford will win 
Final score. Mm, let's make it eighteen uh, seventeen. Very interesting. Stanford. Stanford in the last five years has had has taken the most advantage, the best advantage of their home field. I think winning darn near every single game at on home turf. Give me Stanford in this one over Washington. Uh, 20 to 17. Lower scoring, but not quite the 18-17 score that you've got, which is very interesting. Um, but I like David Shaw and Stanford at home. Our last one, close, our last one in college. Close line in the ACC, NC State and Syracuse. I don't think that one was included in my list, but I'll go for it. Um, NC State and Syracuse. Just off the bat, rapid fire, I'll give you uh, Syracuse this week. I think that they're a good team. They play good teams close. NC State is a good team. So uh, give me the orange this week. Final score, uh, let's say 28-21. Okay. NC State is always a mystery. They're, whenever you go to NC State, it's a trap game. But this one's at Syracuse. Give me the orange in that one as well. Like 24-21, something like that. If you got Raycom Sports ACC Network, I don't. Watch it there. <laughs> moving, to, Network. moving to the NFL. Uh, NFC East rivalry, your Redskins against the Giants. Yes, I've been waiting for this game because in my mind, it's a bye week. In my mind, the Redskins <laughs> have this on lock. It should not be an issue but like we were mentioning earlier this is a game the Redskins should win that they very well might lose because they know they should win it but the trades the Giants are making this weekend you can tell that they're tanking their offensive line is just garbage um I expect five sacks out of the Redskins defensive line this week sorry the Alabama defensive line this week (laughs) um and they're getting better every week. I think that the defense for Washington needs to minimize those big plays. Um, and with the fact that both offenses are relatively lackluster uh, through the air right now, uh, it's definitely going to be important for Washington to establish a running game first. But I do expect Adrian Peterson to go off as this defense will not know what to do with itself. And that will create a passing game for Mr. Smith in Washington this weekend, I've got the Redskins blowing the Giants out. Give me a thirty-one fourteen. I'll also predict this. Thirty-one to ten. Yeah, it's not going to be close. It's not going to be pretty either. OBJ is going to hit something. Giants hashtag tank season. And we're not talking about the tank tops, too. We're talking tanking for the number one draft pick. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Saquon won't be the the big man in town anymore after the season. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Baltimore, Carolina. Much like the... Much like the Redskins, the Panthers are a team that I think is uh, a team that's good enough quality-wise as far as the the personnel they have to make the playoffs, Uh, but I don't think they're good enough to do much with it. The Ravens have had a 
uh, rock-solid defense this year so far, but I think they'll get a heat check. Um, I've got the Panthers. I think Cam Newton will go off. I don't know why I think that, um, but I do think that Cam Newton is going to have himself a day. None of my explanations will make sense here for this one, uh, but I've got the Panthers in a tight one, though, 28-27, uh, but it won't be because of a missed field goal. Or a missed extra point. Yeah. <laughs> the Ravens have been a mystery the past five years, it seems like. One week they are amazing. The next week they stink. I think for some reason this will be a high-scoring game, and I think the Ravens will come out on top. This will be our first uh, disagreement here. Uh, I think the Ravens will win this like 35-34, something like that. It'll, Carolina, for some reason, it's high-scoring, and... This has just been one of those questions. You, you've seen on Twitter those backwards question marks where it says a rhetorical question. Both yeah. these teams are that. Yeah, is Joe Flacco elite? Real quick. Yep. <laughs> that, one, that one on Twitter was the mainstay of the backwards question mark. Is Joe Flacco elite? Backwards question no, mark. No, no, he's not. <laughs> I would have to say just, no. He, much like me, is incredibly average. <laughs> but yet he has a Super Bowl ring. You know, I don't, so good on you, Joe. <laughs> there you go. The Fu Manchu, Joe Flacco. Yeah. <laughs> San Francisco and Arizona. First of we all, you. Well, <laughs> we might as well nickname this the Toilet Bowl. This yes. Is, uh, this is going to be a garbage game. I, I won't be watching it. I won't even be keeping tabs on it. Um, with the exception of like maybe at the end of the game trying to get the score just so I know how my picks ended up doing this week. Um, but I think I think Josh Rosen, Rosen, I think Josh Rosen will get it done this week. He's he struggled a little bit to get his feet under him, and that's because good example of a bad offensive line. Um, but they, they, they've got to he's got to do something positive eventually. I think this weekend. Uh, will be will be one of those games, especially with Beathard on the other side. Yeah, with Bethard on the Beathard, other. Beathard, man. Beathard, <laughs> he he gets beat hard. hard. <laughs> yeah, this one that's the that's the only drawback about the two and a half line is that sometimes you'll get a close line for a bad game like this one. <laughs> Give me Arizona in this one only because it's in Arizona. Uh, once San Francisco lost Garoppolo, they lost their season, and now it's tank season over there as well. Except they'll actually be wearing tank tops over there because it's hot in San Francisco. For real. 14-10 Cardinals. <laughs> Give me 21-17 Arizona. From a bad game to a good game on Sunday night, Minnesota and New Orleans. This game will be a shootout. You mark my words. Two really great quarterbacks. You got Drew Brees, one of the best ever, and Kirk Cousins, who, albeit hasn't really got the opportunity to play in the playoffs, and a lot of that, albeit, has been his own fault. Um, I think that this game is going to be the first team that scores 35 points wins. Uh, Two incredibly high-powered offenses. The Vikings defense is not as impressive as I would have hoped, uh, which leads me to believe it'll be a high-scoring game. Um, Both the Vikings and the Saints are that way to me. Um, 
But with that, I think Kirk, Kirk has some struggles in big games. Uh, I will never forget, um, I believe it was the end of the 2016 season, maybe it was 17. They all kind of run together when you're a Redskins fan. At the end of the season, Kirk Cousins had a chance to uh, bring the uh, skins to the playoffs. All he had oh, to do yeah. was a touchdown drive against a Giants team who was already in the playoffs, so they are playing there their practice squad, and Kirk Cousins throws an interception. That play, I was there in the stadium at FedEx Field watching it. Uh, that play was the epitome of Kirk Cousins in D.C., and don't get me wrong, um, I used to work for the Skins. I loved Kirk Cousins. He was one of my favorite people to interact with every day. So you day. liked that. But I do, like, I do that. like that. However, this weekend is going to be who dad. Uh, it'll be 42-35. And as a Lions fan, I was very thankful for that Kirk Cousins interception because it propelled my Lions to the playoffs without needing to beat Green Bay rather than the other way around because we had lost that game to Aaron Rodgers and you guys would have been in the playoffs over my guys in 2017. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> With that being said... Um, I like the Saints in this one because at home, Drew Brees is my boy, my fantasy franchise quarterback. Uh, in fact, in each fantasy league I'm in, it's, uh, we got to take Brees before Tom does. <laughs> yeah. Because when he's on the board, I will take him. Saints. You got it. You got it. Of course. Saints 47, uh, Minnesota 45, something like Oh, it's going like to be that. a barn murder this weekend. Yeah. High scoring. Uh, if you got him on your fantasy team, play him. It, it, yeah, big scoring game. <laughs> so, with that being said, do you have anything else to add to this wonderful Tom Green podcast? No, it's been a pleasure. I've had a lot of fun. Maybe we can do this again sometime. Um, it has been, like I said, a lot of fun. Uh, I want to plug mine just one more time Absolutely. shamelessly. Um Hey, it's me, Rob, on Twitter. You can follow me for uh, all kinds of different things. I do a whole lot of complaining and I tell a lot of jokes. Um, but I also have a podcast on iTunes and Spotify. It's not sports-related most of the time. Most of the time it's centered around the uh, dumb happenings of a young 20-something in the real world for the first time. So last thing I'll say is uh, it's a great day for a great day, and uh, go Skins. Of course. We'll, we'll finish this out in a way that Rob really wants to. I'll play, I'll play your song one more time. I appreciate that. The Redskins, victory.